Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to Straight Red. This is episode six of the Crawley Town FC podcast. As ever in this episode, we'll have match reviews. Who's coming up at the Broadfield and away? Broadfield bus, what are people are talking about around the ground? A new section called The Big Question, where you answer a question via Twitter. And of course, added time, we'll look ahead to what's coming up on and off the pitch. So here we go, Jonathan. This is section one, of course. And as always, it is the match reviews. Now, it's been a little bit of time since episode five. So there is, in fact, six games to cover. We're not going to go into much detail because some of them we don't want to spend much time on. However, let's start with Newport, the 4-1 win at home back in October. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been, what, October 16th since our, our last podcast that we recorded. So almost a month. So apologies for the delay in getting that out. But the last game that uh, happened since the last podcast, was Crawley against Newport, like you said, Ewan. 4-1, Crawley won that game. Joe Maguire scored a goal in the first minute. Incredible start to the game. Um, Newport then equalised. I thought Crawley looked a little bit shaky. I was a little bit worried as well that, you know, is this going to be a typical Crawley way of throwing away a game? But credit to them. They fought back really well. Really strong team performance uh, to, p- to push back and, and get that win. And it was rounded off so nicely with an Ashley Nathaniel George run from just inside his own half, to the edge of the opposition penalty area uh, to slot into the bottom right-hand corner, I think it was, with a really nice shot. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic again from Ashley Nathaniel-George. Another great win at home as well, wasn't it? I think that was three or four on the bench and three or four great wins at home as well. Newport, always a spicy fixture. Great to get the big win at home. And then we moved on to Exeter. And don't forget, Newport were about fourth or fifth in the league at that time. This is a really tough run of games for Crawley. And then we went on to play Exeter at home, who I believe were second or third in the league at the time as well. Won all that game finished. Uh, really sad to, to actually see, quite honestly, that Crawley did draw that one or I thought they played well enough to deserve a 1-0 victory. It was it was all kind of building up during the game. It was all about Crawley. Um, it was kind of like one of those things like a goal's got to happen at any minute now and when the goal did happen, which Mariah scored uh, brilliantly from the edge of the box that he curled in to the back of the net, um, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, the crowd were buzzing. It was amazing. And then the way that Crawley threw that victory away to lose two points um, was was really disappointing. It was it was a defensive error that gave the ball away when we were so pushed high up the pitch in the opposition half, like we were for the the majority of the game. Uh, they counterattacked against us, and uh, I mean, you know, Glenn Morris couldn't have done much against it. It was it was a well taken goal. Um, so a shame, but you know that's where we move on from now. And unfortunately, it's looking like we're moving sort of down in terms of. The I mean, mood. That was a good four points from two games, a really cracking four points from two games. And then the next following two games, Tranmere and MK Dons, two more tough games. Tranmere, it didn't go very well. No, that I think that that's, uh, yes, a, a very conservative way of explaining that. 5-1, Crawley lost away from home. Now, some people would argue that that scoreline is probably not a fair representation of Crawley's efforts. But if you look at the individual goals, it's kind of like there are mistakes there that did they'd cost them either because they didn't clear the ball from the from the danger zone or just because they were caught napping on, on the back foot sort of thing. And, and once two or three have gone in, it's like the floodgates open, isn't it, really? And then it gets even worse at home. 4-0 MK Dons. I mean, I mean it's MK Dons. They're up there as well. Tremor up there. Those, those last four games, that Newport, Exeter, Tremor, MK Dons, all four in the top six or seven. Top six, so, yeah. So, so they are absolutely tough games, but you don't expect to lose 5-1 and 4-0. I mean, from beating Newport 4-1, Exeter 1-0, how it, nine goals in two games, where does that come from? That's such a monumental shift, isn't it? And it kind of takes away our our stronghold here now of our little standpoint of, oh, you know, Crawley's form at home has been amazing. This is the place that we can win. This is now the fortress, fortress Broadfield, it was being called and everything like that. Um, and now that's that's been shattered. I mean, it's shattered, absolutely yeah. shattered. I mean, I mean, even then, Hayward Seath will come on to in a moment as well. I know it wasn't the best team in the world we were playing, but get another three-one loss at home. It's kind of taken away all that credit that we had, all those fantastic home wins, and like you said, just gone in in, in a couple of games. I will say that MK Dons were were a class above Crawley. I really did um, think that yeah, they they were completely deserved of the win. Um, 
I think from that performance, they deserve to be back in League One, obviously relegated down to League Two this season, but they deserve to be back in League One from that performance. But obviously it's not that easy because they've got to play uh, so many other teams in the league and it's you know maintaining that consistency. But all the best to MK Dons for that. Uh, I think they're a cracking team and, and a lot of players in there, a lot of the Crawley fans will recognise a lot of the players in the MK Dons team. Joe Walsh, of course, as well. So great to see players like him uh, still doing really well. But like like you say, let's move on now to to the Haywards Heath game. Very briefly, 278 fans attended that. That's almost as many listeners as we get. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually quite surprised, to be fair. Like I wasn't expecting many people to turn up to um, a game in in you know Sussex Senior Cup. Now I, I want to give the club quite a lot of credit, not for the performance, but for their report of the game afterwards on the official website. They didn't hold back and they didn't try and fluff things up and say, oh, poor loss, unfortunate, um, unlucky. It was quite sort of relentless. So just a couple of lines from the club report on that game. The Reds went out at the Sussex Senior Cup after some calamitous defending, ruthlessly punished by Bostick League Hayward Heath. 223s brought in, struggled badly. Dewar's attempt at a clearance flew spectacularly into the top corner. Max Miller raced through a gaping hole in some home defence and Reds continued to give away possession away needlessly. They didn't, didn't hold back, and I'll I, I give them credit for that. I think that's brilliant. You can't fluff things up all the time. You can't say it was unlucky. They said we were pretty, pretty poor. That's always good to see good good reporting on that on that front as well. You appreciate good journalism, don't you, Jonathan? As, as <laughs> I a, do. As a BBC journalist yourself. Well, I'm not a BBC journalist. Oh, no, sorry, incorrect reporting. Sorry, yes. Incorrect reporting. <laughs> um, Fake news. Yes. So just to summarise uh, the, the past few games that we've spoken about, general trend is that it's gone from good to bad in terms of results. And let's be honest, the class on the pitch hasn't been fantastic. Although, having said that, all of the teams we've played have been in the top six. So it's it was a tough run. Can you pick anything out? I wasn't at the um, MK Dons game. Can you pick anything out in particular where the big change... I know we're playing three at the back at that time. Did, did you see that? Or did, can you pick any body out that particularly gave away a couple of goals or performances? Or It, it was kind of just like a mixture of, uh, I think, lack of... There was there was definitely a evidence of, of lack of confidence on, on the ball going forward. That Crawley were very tentative. And it, I think it's very clear to see that at home when Crawley are tentative to go forwards. Um, there was also just some defensive errors. Uh, I mean, I feel like players just gave away possession far too easily um, and MK Dons in the end just dominated the possession dominated the control but I think MK Dons ran the game at their speed and you know when, when that's happening it's always hard to come back and we're going to come on to this slightly when we ask the big question which went out on Twitter uh, a week or so ago about we asked Europe because we can't work out what is happening the the particularly the away form which is just Shocking at times. We, we can win games 3-4-1 at home, but then we go away and do the absolute opposite away. So we did ask the big question. That's coming later in the show where you give your opinions on why that is happening. Now, if I, if I quickly may interject, yeah. just to summarise in terms of stats where we are on the table. So last time we had the podcast, we were ninth in the table on 19 points, one point off the playoffs. Now we're 12th in the league, 23 points. So only four points picked up since. Uh, five points off the playoffs. In form-wise, from the last eight, we were third in the form table then for our last podcast. Now we're 17th. Wow. Big shift, isn't it? But again, really, really tough games. And we'll look in a moment when we look at the matches coming up. It's going to get a little bit easier. Yes. So moving on to the FA Cup, Ewan. Oh. I sent you, well, you sent me a picture of you there at the ground, uh, which looked amazing. And I was like, oh, well, fantastic. I can't wait to chat about it. It must have been amazing, blah, 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 blah. And you just replied with, it was good. It, it's it's the magic of the FA Cup, Jonathan. And, and good, I was referring to my position in the stand. All right. Okay. <laughs> the, the picture looked good. And well, I was in row C, which is actually the front row. And Southend's got these kind of like raised pitches, like two, three feet above the ground. The pitch is a little bit not like, I was kind of almost compared it to Old Trafford then. Um, <laughs> it's a bit like you compare a yeah. defender to Eden Hazard <laughs> or something, wasn't it? Um, but it means I was absolutely at eye level. So I stayed there for the first 45 minutes and it was good. But then second half, I moved back a, li- back a bit and up a bit. But as we know, Crawley's FA Cup run for the last four years has ended at the first round uh, stages. Haven't won an FA Cup game since 2012 against Hednersford. Prior to that, of course, two FA Cup fifth round runs. So we're kind of like, we were spoilt for a couple of years, then made it to the second round. And since then, it's been a, a 
call it a peak and a trough. It's been a very, very long, deep trough. So yesterday, away at Southend, travelled with 323 Crawley fans, had a really fantastic day. The big change uh, formation-wise, instead of three at the back, we went back to a 4-1-4-1 with Ollie Palmer at the head. Or... If you, if you include Glamour, it's a one four one four one, But it uh, made a massive, massive difference. I was really happy to see Joe McNerney back in the side. And he played really, really well. He had a great game, some great clearances. Also hit the crossbar later on as well. Looked really good with Cons at the back as well. Bonds was on the bench. I'd have liked to see him. If, you, if you'd asked me at the start of the game, who do you want, Bonds or Joe McNerney? I'd have said Bonds, absolutely. But Joe, he, he's almost won his place back in the team on that performance yesterday. So first 30 minutes, Southend completely on top. Loads and loads of men forward. Could have easily been two down. They did get the early goal in 10 minutes. And it looked like then this, is, this could be a long afternoon. Last 15 minutes of the first half, it was pretty poor, to be honest. Lots of balls being given away, but Crawley held on. They did... Was score. it kind of like um, just holding on, kind of like clinching on, it, or was it good defending? It was a bit of both. It was it, They could easily have been two or three down. Morris, as ever, made some great saves. The defending was pretty good, but too many balls being given away. I'll come on to some individual performances in a moment, um, but let's just do a quick review. So the last 15 minutes of the first half was worse than the first 30, but Ollie Palmer did get the ball in the back of the net with a header from across in, and although it was disallowed for an offside, haven't seen the offside yet, it was a bit... Speculative, I think. But uh, that kind of gave some belief that, you know what, we can score against this team and we can get back in this game. And as Choffey does so often at half-time, something changed at half-time. No substitutions, but they just came out with a completely different mentality. Um, so as the game went on in the second half, Crawley just got better and better, finally getting that goal in the 85th minute, the own goal, but it was a bit of a goal made scramble, but it had been coming for about five, ten minutes. Fantastic. During the game, Crawley only had five shots and two on target. Now, I don't know if own goals count as shots on target, and I don't know as well if a disallowed goals count as shots on target. Because if so, the disallowed goal and the own goal are only two shots on target. I don't know how that works. Uh, but again, McNerney back in the side, he was absolutely fab with cons as well. Luke Gammon looked great. When Nathaniel George and Gregor Cox came on, they made massive impacts. Um, so an absolutely fair result. You could even have said in the last five, ten minutes, Crawley could have nicked it. But again, a one-all draw. Um, coming back to the Broadfield in the hat for only the first time in, in four or five years. A, a great performance. So a, po a positive oh, end a to the absol match. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially the second half. Again, the first half, you thought, oh, this might not be going our way. But second half, we were the better team and we, and we could have nicked it at the end as well. A couple of points to note. I've said I like McNerney. Uh, Cons was great as well. I like Luke Gambin, Gregor Cox and Nathaniel George. They made great impacts when they came on. Now, I am a big fan and I'm an eternal defender and supporter of Lewis Young. That position is becoming harder and harder and harder to be a part of. And it's almost, it's becoming untenable to be his biggest supporter and defender. Because yesterday, he was not great at all. It, it's so frustrating because he could be such a great player. And you can you can see what he's thinking. You can see the trying to thread the through balls through. But it's like he just can't do it. Are you familiar with a book by Charles Dickens called The Tale of Two Cities, Jonathan? Yes, yes, yes. Do you know yes. what the opening line is of that book? No, I'm not that well versed in it. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And I'm going to suggest, if Lewis Young had an autobiography, his opening line would be, I was the best of players, I was the worst of players. <laughs> because it, it's so black and white, it's so hot and cold. I just want him to have a really, really good run of games. Because some of the passes, some of the touches he does, the little runs he makes, they're really, really good. But he completely undoes that with some terrible passes, some terrible crosses. I feel really bad for him because... I want to keep supporting. I'll always support him. I think he's a great player, a great ambassador for Crawley. He's a great guy in the changing room as well. So I'll always support him. Um, but naturally, there are people in the crowd, in the Crawley uh, away end as well, that will start to jeer him and shout at him, etc., etc. I never think that's a good thing to do to a home player. I don't, I don't know why you'd do that. I'd rather be silent than, than jeer somebody that's trying to win an FA Cup game for our team. I don't, I've never understood Especially that. Especially someone who wears, you know, like many other Crawley players, wears the, the badge on his chest proudly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but sometimes it's like he's playing hot potato. He just wants, <laughs> he just wants to, whether it's a red shirt or a blue shirt, just give the ball away, give the ball away. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But he does put the ball sometimes to the player and, and it puts us in a really difficult, bad situation. Thankfully, the defending yesterday was great, so it didn't give away any particular goals but it could do in future. So not, not to defend him, but do you think that maybe uh, 
coaching management and maybe telling him to pass the ball on quickly to get it out from the back? Or is it just his inability to be able to I mean, I, I don't decipher know. where to pass? I don't know if anybody in the world knows whether it's a right back or a right midfielder yet. I know he spent a lot of time at right back. He spent a fair bit of time in the field. I've always said he gets better the further up the field he goes. It's not like he panics in defence, but he just can't pick that pass out from the defence and through the, through the middle or down the wings, whatever it might be. Um, I mean, I, I, I prefer seeing him on the right wing, right back, because, again, he makes these fab little dangerous runs and he's just not a natural defender. He's, he's, he can't be more than 10 and a half stone, slight guy. Um, so I don't know where the future lies for him. I want to see him maintain his place in the team. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else came in at right back or, or just a little bit of shuffle around at the back. But um, not a great day for him. But I don't want to dwell on that because, again, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Lewis Young and I really hope he gets back onto form soon. A couple of other things to point out about the game. I haven't been to many away games, Jonathan. That was my first away game of the season. And I don't know if it's like this every single game. The Crawley fans were unbelievable. Just relentless, raucous, cheering, chanting. It was absolutely brilliant. Kind of like the atmosphere back in the conference days. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. And, and I think when it's condensed, 300 fans, we were in like a, a block and a half kind of, of seating. And when it's condensed like that, just from, coming from one area, I, you can't tell what it's like when you're sat in any other three stands. But from where we are, it was unbelievable. Like I said, just absolutely relentless. Um, really great. And, and one guy to pick out, I know most people listening will probably know his name if you go to away games, but the guy with the, the drum, my God, he deserves the key to the city of Crawley. He, <laughs> he was, honestly, he was awesome. I don't know his name. If you imagine... Awesome on the drum or just... Or, yeah, just sort of yeah. keeping it going. There was a point in the second half, I think we chanted CTFC for about 14 minutes <laughs> and he was constantly bagging it. It was, honestly, it was so, so good. And uh, Choffy said after the game as well, the, the fans were absolutely brilliant and they absolutely were. But I don't know if it's like that every away game or that was just the magic of the FA Cup coming through. Um, so the guy on the drum, he's got like hair like Sergio Torres, but dark brown and some sort of a, a Italian facial hair. So I, I think his name might be Pepe or, or something like that, or maybe Ignacio. <laughs> it, it's probably John, to be fair, but I'm going to call him Pepe. He was, he was absolutely fab. So if you're listening, well done, buddy. Um, Matt Harold was in the crowd as well. I thought that was brilliant. He's playing for Leighton Orient now. We were flying in the National League. Uh, only lost one game, second in the table. Uh, Matt, he's also played 67, he's only, he's only played 67 minutes, but scored two goals in that. So a goal, a goal every 33 and a half minutes, which is pretty good. Uh, but he was there supporting the Reds because Leighton Orient are out of the FA Cup, unfortunately. So it was great to see him. Um, he came over and said hello. And there, there were so many people he was saying hello to. And the crowd, the, our fans were even chanting, Matty Harold, give us a song. Matty Harold, give us a song, which I thought was great. And he applauded and appreciated that as well. Did give him a song? He didn't, no, 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 no he, he couldn't oversing the rest of the crowd, no. Um, so a really, really positive for Crawley after two or three poor performances. And all it's like the cliche, you've got to take that back into the league. So we'll be playing Southend on Tuesday, the 20th of November. Now, it was a fab game. It was a fab result, really. It, it, great to get a win, but just to be in the second hat or the, the, the hat for round two is a real, real positive that we needed after a, a poor sort of week and a half. Um, the game for me, Jonathan, ended on a really sour personal note. And I'm going to find this quite hard to talk about. OK, so as the Crawley fans were cheering the team at the final whistle and, uh, and all the Reds players, they came over to, to clap the away fans. Uh, we were we imagine you were sat in the north stand of Crawley and the east stand is uh, Crawley is the home fans. OK, now we were sat near the corner flag. So you're quite close to the home fans. You're literally just like 15 yards from them. And. A little girl was leaving the stadium, uh, only about 15, 20 yards from me, and she was waving to all the Crawley fans as if to say goodbye, see you, see you in a couple of Tuesdays. Um, so I thought, oh, that's lovely, I'll, I'll wave back. So I gave her a big wave back and I was waving, and she was waving, and we made eye contact. She was about 10 or 11 years old, so I was waving, see you in a couple of Tuesdays. And just as she turned to go out of sight, her head turned away, went to walk down the concourse, and as she did that, she rotated her wrist and flicked me the middle finger <laughs> and walked away. And, wow. I, and I was crushed. Wow. Uh, she, she, ap fair play, she absolutely done me, Jonathan. That, that is incredible. <laughs> I, I was very intrigued when you, when you started this conversation here just now. Uh, I didn't know what, what to actually expect, but fair play. And yeah. do you know what? <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody saw which I was delighted about because inside I was kind of in tears, to be honest. But at, at the same time, I hate that little girl, but I also admire her. 
and I clap her because it was it, and all I had in the rest of that journey home was just her middle finger coming up and her walking <laughs> away. <laughs> now, um, I did read the Chioffi interview after the game or, or watched it on the website. Only a couple of things to point out that he said. We want to play every game like there is no tomorrow. The only thing we can do is fight, which I think is quite a nice little sentence and sums it up quite well. Because what else can you do other than fight? And like he says, play every game like there's like there's no tomorrow. There's no other way to play at the moment. We've lost a couple of bad games. That game we did fight that there was no tomorrow in the second half. Again, we were the better team in the second half and got better as the game went on. Can we take that into the next couple of games? We'll come on to those in a moment. I very much hope so. So, Jonathan, that is the games we've had since episode five. Now, let's have a look at the games coming up. We've got Grimsby, Crewe, Mansfield, plus Gillingham in the Checker Trade Trophy. That's a big one. Well, depends how you see the Checker Trade Trophy, really. And, of course, that replay against Southend. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much taken what I had to say. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the section that I had to say for. Well, we're officially entered the yellow ball season as well. I think that's oh, yeah. Certainly worth noting, um, which is um, always, you know, brings back the the classic memories of a, of a cold Tuesday raining night, freezing cold at the Broadfield Stadium, watching, watching your team under the floodlights. Talking about floodlights, though, this FA Cup replay back at the Broadfield will be uh, hopefully an incredible atmosphere to be able to experience the, the magic of the FA Cup under the floodlights. Nothing quite like it, is there? I really, really hope that we've been stuck on 2,100, 2,200 fans. It feels like since the start of the season. It hasn't gone up, hasn't gone down. I really hope the FA Cup and the emotion that brings for the casual supporter can bring them into the stadium. We don't know the ticket prices yet. I was quite impressed with Southend. It was only 15 quid, which I, I thought was great. I mean, a bit, I'm fairly close as well. I'm about an hour and 45 minutes away. Um, so they'll be travelling to us, of course, on Tuesday the 20th. <sighs> I, I really, really hope we can get a decent crowd. It's a Tuesday night. I hope it's not running. hope it's not too cold. Because I just want people to see Crawley play and us put in a good performance. Because I think a lot of people are missing out on some fantastic home games. I know it's been poor recently. I think that might go against us with the crowd numbers. But fingers crossed we can get a decent attendance down there and cheer like we did on Saturday. So another cup game, or another cup competition that we're still in actually as well, is the next game that we face against Gillingham Football League Trophy, like you mentioned. Is this a competition that we need to focus on, bearing in mind the size of the squad, bearing in mind that we probably want an FA Cup run and bearing in mind that we want to finish somewhere decent in the league because we need to beat Gillingham and then we also need to hope that Portsmouth beat Spurs under 21 in order for us to go through? I don't think there's any way we're going to go into that game and not go for the win. Toffee's not that kind of guy. Um, oh, of course we want to win. Of course we want to go through to the next round. We're at the Sussex Senior Cup, which I think is is brilliant because I think that's a waste of space, a waste of time. We've been to the final last two years and got crushed by an under-21s team. We don't need that uh, sort of mental sort of distraction. Thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad we're Is this a distraction as well, this competition, Football League Trophy? Uh, I've, I've said it a couple of times. If you get to the final, it's brilliant because it's a day out at Wembley. And we're, we're one of only two of the 72 league teams that have never been to Wembley, I believe. I forget who the second one is, but it was four recently, but one that's, that's a great stat. Yeah, yeah there they, they used to be four of us, now there's just two of us. But we're one of the two that has never been to Wembley. So a chance to get to Wembley, you can't turn that up. It, but if you go out, nobody cares. If you get to the final, fantastic. So let's just see how it goes. I'd like to beat Gillingham, of course. I'd like to be in the next round. And we'll, we'll see how it happens. I'm glad we're at the Sussex Senior Cup. I think that, like I said, that's a waste of space. And... I think the Choffy is the type of guy, he's just said, just mentioned it there, we're going to fight for every single game. Whether he means that in the league or the cup, we're going to find out very shortly. But by the time this podcast goes out, we will know the result of that game as well. Yes, that's very true. So the game after Gillingham is Grimsby away, Saturday 17th of November. G Grimsby are currently 21st in the table, that's worth noting as well. And then FA Cup replay, and then after that, we have a, a home game in the league against Crewe. They're 18th. So, important thing I think to take from those two is that very much the opposite end of the table to the past six games that we've just had. You're really hoping for six points out of those two, aren't you? Anything less than, well, four or less. I would take four probably, but six or four is the absolute minimum from those two games. If we want to really seriously push towards the top ten for Christmas and then see what happens, somebody's got the January transfer window. I don't know if we've got any money to spend in that window, but let's get to Christmas and be in the top ten. To do that, you've got to get at least four points from those two games, hopefully six as well. And after that, Mansfield away, 
They're doing not too bad. So that would be a nice win um, if we could get anything away at Mansfield. But let's take one game at a time. So also talking about four points from six or whatever or six points from six, the past few games since the podcast, I believe you said win, draw, loss. I did. And we got a win, draw, loss. I did. I got it absolutely spot on in the correct order as well. I think you said win, win, loss. Yes. Um, which it could have happened against Exeter. It could have happened. It was nearly there. But um, yeah, looking forward, it's got to be, if we can get a win-win draw, that would be absolute dreamland, I think. Um, and, and even go those three games unbeaten would be an absolute result. Looking at the South End game specifically, we can definitely win that home game, most definitely. And by that time, by the time that game comes around, we'll know who our second round opposition is. Will that be a distraction? If it's a, a, like a minnow at home, or if it's a, a, a larger team away, I don't think anybody wants to play a League One team in the second round. You want to play either a League Two team or, or lower. So we'll know that on Monday. Again, by the time the podcast is aired, we will know who we're potentially playing in the second round. That could be pretty exciting. Maybe uh, act as a motivation for yeah, absolutely. You know, of course destroying it does. Of course Southend. It does, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, of course it does. But again, you can't look too far. You've got to get past Southend first. If we proved anything yesterday, we absolutely can beat them at home. Well, you. we have a new segment. We have got a new segment because we've gotten rid of the game, Jonathan. Yes. Are you, are you upset uh, about that or not? No, because let's be <laughs> honest, I was shocking and it was just kind of like deflating my image it of, was of any work. And we, I mean, we do ask everybody's feedback and I was speaking to a couple of people at the last game and just said, look, what's your overall opinion on the whole thing? And most people say... The game isn't bad. You just don't need it. It feels like a bit of a filler. And it was a filler. We can't lie. So we'll get rid of it. And if there's if there's absolute uproar saying, bring it back, bring it back, and there's, there's chanting at the next game, bring back the game, we'll bring <laughs> it back. But unless that happens, the game is done. We've now well, got the big question where we ask you a big question. We may we may still use the game, though, possibly if we have a guest on and use it rank as a leaderboard, possibly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That might be something fun. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, on to the big question. We asked the question um, ahead of this episode, of course. Uh, what is our problem away from home? Seriously, has anyone got the foggiest idea? And that was the exact question on Twitter as well. And we had some really good replies as well, because genuinely, Jonathan and I, we, we're terrible away from home. Apart from Southend, we have been poor away from home. And it's not just poor. It's really bad. Going from 3-1 wins to 4-0 losses, etc., etc. Something's crazy. So we had a few replies, a few good replies as well. Fraser Sheridan, it's not Chioffi, it's the players. Um, it's not Chioffi, it's not the players, sorry. But the only thing I could think of, it's a completely new experience for him going to these rundown grounds with little away backing, uh, which it, it really is bizarre. Ian Cobbett, playing three at the back at home works, especially with so much of the ball. Away from home, teams won't give us that much respect and exploit the spaces and players at the back. Frank, Frank I'm playing out of position and properly, uh, possibly Vincelo as well. Um... Confidence, I think maybe Sam Cook says, is it confidence away from home? Do you know what? Historically, we've done quite well at the big teams like Luton, uh, Lincoln, for example. That was a fantastic performance. When we're playing against big crowds in, in better stadiums away from home, we seem to turn it up a notch. But it, it's gone completely out the window the last few weeks. Uh, Jay said, trying to play like we do at home, another one that are different away from home. Uh, need to stay in the game and tighten up. Play two holding mids in front of the back four. Dan Maguire, the new formation three at the back seems to work well for the team, but we lacked fluency when we have it at home. Today we played a tactically sound opposition who were more streetwise than us. I think that was referenced um, Tranmere. Um, Playing red, not black, Malcolm says. That's a tactical one there. Stephen North, perhaps the pitch at home is too good and they can't play bobbly pitches. And Finn Eschel Eschinger also picked up on that. He said the pitches are too dry away from home. Is the pitch at the Broadfield Stadium too good? That's a genuine question. Because two, pe two people brought it up. The pitches away are dry and bobbly. Obviously, the rain's coming out. It's not going to be that case forever. But um, for, for a couple of people to bring that up, is significant, I think. The pitch at home is very good. So I don't think it's too good. I think it's, you know, a great pitch. Yep. But I think it's more the case of the teams we go Fair. away to and play to, yep. it's it's too poor. And I think, well, obviously, there is a standard of pitch that the, the officials do look at. But maybe, I mean, well, some people are going to argue that that's, that that's the whole point of playing away and home mm -hmm. is that you have to deal with those changing uh, conditions and that shows how good a team you are and stuff like that. But... 
yeah, I think think the, think it is an definite influence upon Crawley's form away from home. I also think confidence is part of that as well. You know, playing against a bigger crowd when uh, maybe loads of people are chanting for you or maybe people are chanting against you. That can all have an influence too. I, I think there's factors in there as well about your run of form, um, how how you're coming into the match, how you've prepared for the match. Maybe also how the opposition play against you that game. If they come out of the blocks in, in the exact way that you've rehearsed and the exact way that you're prepared to deal with, then you're going to know what to do. But if they switch things up and are a bit crafty, you're going to be a bit you know, stuck on your feet unless you're a very quick thinker. And again, just as Dan said, today we played a tactically sound opposition. That was on the 27th of October. But um, sometimes you're just playing a better team. And that, that we have played some fantastic teams away from home in the last few weeks. So hopefully of the next couple of weeks before episode seven, we play some lesser teams away from home. We won't see those massive score lines um, against Crawley Town. But let's see. So that was the big question for this week. We will do one ahead of each episode and that'll be our new segment until people tell us they don't like it. <laughs> So that's mine and Ewan's opinions. Now, of course, we've been promising for a few episodes now that we're going to get general manager Bruce Talbot on to uh, answer some of your questions, but also some of our questions that we have about the club and what's going on behind the scenes and, and his opinion on, on the Crawley season so far. And he has been very hard to pin down, not going to lie, but he is a very busy man. And so, you know, we respect that because he is the general manager of our club. So it's only expected to be. But Ewan, hopefully... By this time I put together the podcast, we'll magically have recorded a telephone interview with the man himself. So here it is. So here we are in the Broadfield Stadium. Bruce Tolbert, General Manager at Crawley Town Football Club. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Ewan. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So, Bruce, I mean, you joined after the Man United game, after that FA Cup run in 2011, um, as media manager, joining us from the Argus. Now your title is General Manager... What, what does your CV say? What do you do, Bruce? Well, um, I still mainly do media, uh, but I do, uh, to be honest with you, and I do a bit of everything. Um, for instance, I don't know, things I've done, projects I've worked on. I've done quite a lot of work on the Brighton um, women's team playing here. Yep. There's a lot involved in that, not just me, but sort of led by me. Uh, the pitch renovation that we had done in the summer, that was sort of, I sort of was broadly in charge of that um, all sorts really I do you know I do, do a bit of marketing um, general stadium stuff with Kelly her, her name on the safety certificate but I help out with uh, you know jobs that need doing and getting bits and pieces done um, all sorts really I'm, I am actually supposedly I'm part time I, only, I am supposedly <laughs> only work three days a week what, what do you do with stuff. the rest of your time? Uh, well, loads of other stuff, mate. I, I still do a lot of cricket writing, which I've done for many, many years in the summer. Um, now, considering that Crawley have obviously been from the conference to League One and League Two, the size of the backroom staff has really maintained the same sort of level, hasn't it? You, you yes. could do with a few more people, could you? Yeah, or? we probably could. I mean, you know, we're talking today <laughs> on the day that we put the South End tickets on sale, and um, we've been absolutely snowed under since midday with people coming in and buying tickets over the phone. Um, it's on days like that that you you know wish there were sort of fifteen people here instead and, of three and, or four. And just jump into that quickly: five pounds for per ticket. That's incredible. Well, the, I mean, you could. It, the way we looked at it was: well, if if, if it's five pounds, we're going to get a decent crowd. We, you know, if we'd have charged the same prices as South End, which was the original plan, whatever they charged, we would charge for any replay. Mm -hmm. I reckon next Tuesday we'd have been looking at a crowd of less than 2,000, really? even okay. with South End, mm -hmm. South End bringing maybe two or 300 mm -hmm. and maybe a few more. Whereas £5 and a pound for under 11s or under 12s, um, you know, we're, looking, we're not looking at a full house. I wish we were, but, I mean, we've got to be realistic. It's still a school night. It's a Tuesday night. But, you know, we're probably looking at hopefully getting close to three and a half, four thousand. Really? Wow. Yeah, and what? then you've got, you know, that, you know, that, as you, you know, that creates a better atmosphere and, and improves the chances of the team. Of course it does. You know, we've got to do, all we're trying to do is, is make uh, the, the, you know, give the team the best possible chance of winning the game. I think we saw at South End on Saturday, even with 300 Crawley fans in the away end, the noise they made was incredible. 
and the t- that got behind the team as well. Gabby C had it, um, Joe McNerney said it afterwards as well. Absolutely, I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, South End fans weren't making any noise whatsoever. Crawley fans were creating all the atmosphere. I don't know what it is about the FA Cup. I mean, obviously, with Crawley, there is a f- recent tradition of, you know, obviously Old Trafford and reaching the fifth round two years running. But since then, actually, we've had a terrible record. We haven't got past the first round for four years. And before the, before the two fifth round runs, Crawley had a very very average FA Cup record as well but there is, just seems to be something about the competition that brings the Crawley fans out and I mean it's not far to go South End relatively uh, it was brilliant on Saturday and you know we really really need a big crowd next Tuesday because um, you know if we get through okay it's another tough game if we did get through play Barnsley but you know it's a home tie and well, we've done well at home and like you say five pounds you've got your fingers crossed that we can get a good crowd in on there now you joined at a very special time for the club during the promotion or back to back promotions um, and then obviously the relegations etc you've been here eight nine years now so there's over a dozen managers several chief execs couple of owners what moments stick out in the history of the club the time you've been here as really pivotal turning points for the club? Um, well, it, I suppose it gets, uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, probably the promotion to League One, uh, I remember, you know, that season, I mean, you were at the club then, you and that summer was really good before we went into League One, you know, there's a real buzz. We had a lot of seasons, we probably had about 1,300 season ticket holders which, you know, for a club of, with a relatively small fan base was very good and we started that season really well. I just feel at that time there was some momentum, you know. I, I'm a great believer in that, you know, if the club's got momentum and going well, you look at successful clubs over the last few years, they're the ten, ten, they are the clubs, type of clubs who tend to get good cup runs, tend to get drawn against the big teams, you know. We had that for a while when we were storming through the conference when we played Man United, the momentum carried on the following year when we got to the fifth round again, then we got promoted. Um, but it was always I think it's always difficult at Crawley to sort of you know you, any building of the club and the infrastructure is, is really really baby steps because of the fan base you know we desperately need to get more more people through the gate I mean we saw the Milton Keynes game we had over 2,200 Crawley fans in the mm-hmm. ground and the last time that happened well certainly not last season or even the season before probably the last time that happened was when we played Coventry on the last day of the t- season to, in League One when we got relegated I remember that game yeah I mean and like you've just mentioned there the, the crowd numbers it, it seems to be stuck around about 17, 1800 Crawley Town fans. Yeah. Is there any plans? I mean, I know you're trying things. Is there any sort of real thought and ideas to get that number up? It's really difficult. Well, I think, I mean, I think it demonstrated the way that we've been playing at home this season and the form, you know, even after a 5 1 defeat at Tranmere two weeks ago, we still got 2,200 home fans for the next game. So, I mean, one of the things with the South End ticket offer is, you know, to keep that momentum going a little bit. Okay, you know, financially, we might take a hit, but. You know, if we get 3,000 Crawley fans in the ground next week and we play well, then we might see 2,200 for the crew game on the Saturday. We have got another ticket thing up our sleeves for the new year, which I can't talk about at the moment, but again, it's something to try and get people... Uh, you know, used to coming back to Crawley. Even if people, we don't mind people who go to London every fortnight to go and watch Arsenal or Spurs or one of the big clubs who come to Crawley for their sec- as their second club. You know, we just need people to be engaged with the local team. And I think at the moment, I would say there's more engagement with the club and the team at the moment than there has been probably since. Uh, Hard to say, probably a while going back, maybe even before, maybe we, when we were doing well in League One, you know, under Richie Barker, as far back as that. It's like you say, it's just momentum, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's what the club needs. Um, now, Zaya Aaron, the new owner, came in a. Uh, new, he's not that new, he's been well, there, uh, you know, three, <laughs> over three years. The, the, three years. <laughs> new he came in with a 10 year plan to get to the Championship. Um, now, there is, of course, a degree of paying lip service to the fans, get them on board when you come in. Yeah. How far down that road are we in terms of getting to that level? It seems like we're we're not that much further on the pitch from no, where we started but not. behind the scenes maybe something's uh, proven I think, I, think that, I think that if the club started to push on on the pitch you know I got promoted maybe this season or next season and then you would find then you know obviously that the revenue increases you get more you get more money from the league you get more there's more possibility of being on TV and stuff like that so you get you know more season ticket holders bigger crowds more away fans all those things come together more sponsors because your profile increases and then you've got a chance I mean it's not beyond the realms I mean you look at clubs like Yeovil who've been in the championship mm. 
who are now lower than us in League Two. They had a season only three or four years ago. Burton did it as well, didn't they? Burton did it. We're in the Championship for two years. They're not a great year. They haven't got a great year bigger fan brace and Crawley. MK Dons did it for a season. So it's not impossible staying there. I think Burton were probably are probably the role model for mm-hmm. smaller clubs because they actually got there and stayed there, and then they built the infrastructure of yeah. the club at the same time. Mm-hmm. But because that, that 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 financial leap, even from League One to the Championship, is absolutely huge. That's where you make the where, where the difference is. And uh, what influence does Zaya have on the day-to-day running of the club, if any, or is it in the hands of yourself, Kelly, Salim, and Gabby? Does he have any involvement at all? Um, I think he talked. I mean, he's got advisors over here who come and visit the club, uh, who, who advise him on bits and pieces. Um, so they're probably his main sort of um, you know communication on a day-to-day basis. Not really. I mean, but, you know, big decisions obviously have to be run by him. I mean, you know, for instance, the five-pound. South End offer we couldn't just go ahead and go yeah let's do yeah. that because you know financially it might the club might not make, mm-hmm. make, might make we won't lose money but it might not make much money as much money as it could have done if we'd done it the other way um, but um, no he's, he's still very involved very keen I mean he's over here a lot even if he's not here for a game he does visit the country quite regularly because he's got other interests business interests in the UK mm-hmm. so he is around and, and very aware of what's going on um, and um, you know a big part of um, the future hopefully fantastic and interesting season so far uh, manager leaving before the end of September which is it's a pretty strange one some great home game results at the start of Gabby's reign some pretty poor away results how does that affect the team behind the scenes here in the club do you just get on with it no matter well, what it is, I mean you know obviously the Monday after if you won a game everyone's happy and you know and it's definitely a better atmosphere if, you, if the team is winning and doing well uh, than it is if the team is losing every week you know um, I mean that's the same whatever manager we've had what I will say about Gabby is in terms of uh, people, person to the staff, he treats everyone the same. He's been, he's absolutely fantastic to the non-playing staff. He's really, really nice guy. I remember we chatted with him very briefly after his first home game, and uh, obviously a fantastic win. And what he did with the team to the crowd after that game, haven't seen maybe ever a manager do that with a team and even when I was chatting to Kelly after the game as well I saw him come out the tunnel and go over to Ben the groundsman and shake their hands not in, not in view of anybody apart from us at the corner of our eyes he just seems like that type of guy yeah he is I mean he's brilliant he'd come in every day he's the same every day you never see him fed up or pissed he might be peed off about things but he'd never translate that or, or transmit that to anyone else he is a very very nice guy that, and, and then and when you've got someone like that you're working with or for on a daily basis you want to help them you know you go the extra mile for them yeah. um, whereas you know if you've got people who you're working with who are not like that who are a bit sort of you know nonplussed and not really bothered about anything apart from themselves mm-hmm. or the, the immediate team then you're a little bit oh well you know he's not really bothered about me so why should I be bothered about him you know? absolutely now currently lying well lying in mid-table just about hanging on in the FA Cup what would be considered a successful season for this season optimistically what is the best possible result for the current team we've got? Do you think? Um, I think the team. I think we're capable, and we might have to do a little bit of squad uh, adjustment in January um, because you've got to remember all these players. None of these players were signed by Gabby or yep. recruited by mm-hmm. Gabby, so he he needs to be able to put his stamp on the squad, which he might be able to do in January. Um, but I think we're, we're capable of getting in the playoffs. I think it's a very open lead too this year. If you look at the table, it's very, very open. I don't think there are many, if any, outstanding sides. MK Dons looked a good team and then they get turned over 3-1 at Grimsby on Saturday in the FA Cup. I thought uh, Lincoln were OK, but you know we won there. Um, it, it's, it's very, very open. If we put a run together, which we're capable of doing... And I think the thing to remember, between now and Christmas, um, you know, our run of fixtures, apart from perhaps Mansfield away... Is, is you look at them and think, well, actually, we've got a chance of maybe getting something there, and whereas we've just come through a really sort of tough run of league games. But yeah, I think we're capable of getting the playoffs. If we finish in the top ten next year, I think that's progress for Crawley, definitely, yeah. and something to build on for, for next season. And in terms of the FA Cup, we're in a bit of a time warp because we recorded the podcast main section yesterday. We now know our away opponents potentially, our home opponents potentially in the second round. Um, 
Crawley Town in the FA Cup last four or five years, we know we got past the first round, but I would love to draw a, a, maybe a non-league team. It just seems a constant, <laughs> difficult run of fixtures, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But uh, do you think we can get past Southend at home? I'm sure you do. Oh, I do. Yeah, I think we. You know, I think you were there on Saturday. I think that you know we probably showed them too much respect for in the first half on Saturday. When we got that, them in the second half, we we played well and got what we deserved. So at home, in front of a, hopefully a big crowd, we can get through. And then Barnsley. Well, you know, they're a decent side. They're a better side than Southend probably. But they, you know, they won't look. They'll think of coming down here and think, mm, yeah, it might be a bit tricky, you know. Uh, anything can happen. Uh, it'd be brilliant if we got. I mean, if if we could get through, if we if we started the new year 2019 in the third round, you know, regardless of who we end up drawing, if we got there, and also if you know if we're in the top ten, just pushing for the playoffs. And you know we've got a really good second half of the season to look for. And you to. mentioned Barnsley not looking to come here. Like we're sat in the away changing room now. I mean, with all respect, it's not somewhere that you really want to. It's not a comfortable position to be in for, no, for no, a club I mean, like that, is it? it? Well, yeah, it's functional. The away changing yeah. room at Crawley is functional. You've you got box, chairs and toilets. You've got chairs and toilets. <laughs> you've got a bench. You've got showers at work. There's hot water. There's toilet rolls. With toilet, you know, toilets with toilet rolls. We 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 do everything that you know that we have to do to comply with the rules. I have to say, our changing room, even our away changing room here, are ten times better than the lot I can name in the league. <laughs> um, now, of course, you've been here quite a long time, Bruce. You've seen lots of teams come and go and, and sort of change. Where does this 11, let's say, lie within the the, uh, the top 11s of the last eight, nine seasons that you've seen? Uh, it's probably the best squad that we've had in League Two since we got relegated. Uh, it's very hard to compare, you know, even with the Steve mm-hmm. Evans era seven or eight years ago, because that was, a, you know, we had some good players then. Um, I thought the squad that we had in the first season in League One was very good. We perhaps should and maybe could have pushed on to the playoffs. That's probably the best squad we've had. But I'd say this is the best squad we've had in the last three or four years. And any plans for January that you know of? or Have we got a budget for January? Uh, well, I'm sure there'll be some squad, um, you know, there'll be some changing around. I'm sure there'll be, you know, hopefully we won't lose any players, but you can't rule that out. Uh, you know, if, the, if, a, if an offer comes in for a player... You know, we're not in a position really to turn any decent mm-hmm. offer down for any player. I'm sure the fans would appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I think Abby would like. I think there are certain areas of the squad where we probably need some cover. Maybe central midfield, maybe another centre half. I don't know. Maybe some. You know, my personal fear is if Ollie Palmer gets injured, we might be we might be a bit light on goals mm-hmm. up front. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be. The, I, I can't remember a, a, a transfer window at Crawley when there hasn't been no, some activity. Not, no. um, and obviously, in that time of your club, you, you've been through seen an enormous amount of players, managers, chief execs. Is there anybody in particular that you keep in touch with? from the last eight, nine years? Um, the, probably the only manager that I sort of have keeping touch with more than just the occasional text would probably be Richie Barker, who, who oh, still yeah, is okay. in Brighton. Uh, I see him at crickets, funny enough, now and again <laughs> in the summer. And we'll catch up with Richie. I always got on well with him. John Gregory, I still text now and again. He's doing well, isn't he? Yeah, I like John. I, was, I like John. Steve Evans, you know, we had our problems now and again. We had a few run-ins with Steve, but I think he's probably different manager to the one he was seven or eight years ago. And, you know, I get a text from him now and again. Same with Mark Yates. Um, but I have to say, as a people person, Gabby is probably the best manager that we... The nicest guy I've had to work with at Crawley, and that's why, you know, everyone here will say the same. Everyone in the office will say the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you, you know, you want him to succeed. And you're shortly heading off to Gillingham, our final game of the Checker Trade Trophy. Is that an important stages might not be the final game. Sorry, you're through. absolutely right. Is that an important game? Well, it is for Gabby. I mean, you know, I can't, again, I'm not giving too much away, but we've got quite a strong side playing tonight, so we want to go through. I mean, these games are important because they are games. You know, it's extra games, it's extra revenue. If we get through and we draw a home tie, and we, you know, I mean, someone's got to get someone's got to get the final of the Checker Trade Trophy. Why shouldn't it be us? I mean, yeah. Lincoln got there last year. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an important competition. I think you just—it's very difficult to balance the needs of the squad. You know, um, players have to have game time and stuff like that because we haven't got any sort of, you know, youth team or anything or reserve team or anything. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's important. I think it is important. Um, we, you know, the more games we've got, the, the the you know, the more successful we've been. Well, Bruce, on behalf of Straight Red, the Crawley Town podcast, thank you so much for your time. Have a safe trip to Gillingham and all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks, Ewan. Well, it was great to hear from Bruce there about the questions you guys have asked, the questions we've asked, and also just to hear a a bit of a glimpse from behind the scenes as well at the club. Uh, Very interesting to hear what's been going on, and, and thanks so much again to Bruce for giving us the time with that. Ewan. It's time for some Broadfield Buzz. It is. It's time for Broadfield Buzz. And I've got quite a few. This is sometimes quite hard to fill. But I've got a few things this week. 
So first of all, Jonathan, do you play FIFA or any computer games? Yes. Yes, I do. do you know I love I'm, it. Do you know what I'm going to say now? Crawley Town are looking to enter the exciting world of esports by appointing an esports manager at the club. Fact. Wow. Did you not see that on the website? No. It's fact. No, Crawley, I deliberately didn't look because I wanted to be you know, surprised by your Broadfield buzz here. So Man United are in it. Man City are in yeah, it. Yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid. Crawley Town are in the world of esports. So from the club website, this role is perfect for someone whose passion for football is matched by their enthusiasm and knowledge of gaming, particularly sports gaming. It could be you, Jonathan. <laughs> I don't think so. doesn't mention any fee involved, but I'm guessing there must be some sort of salary or something. Or maybe just get a free season ticket I've, I've no idea are they going to I guess hire in some form people to play the game like for a, the club then a squad yeah I, I don't a know squad. I will find out but I just thought that was so exciting I thought that was so cool and that is something that crawling to do is quite exciting and they've got a march on other teams in the league as well that I don't believe are doing it. But I think it's absolutely brilliant. So great work. Well done, Crawley Town. So again, Crawley Town looking for an eSports manager. If you're a FIFA fan and a Crawley fan or any sort of sports gaming fan. Or a football get manager in, fan. Get in touch with the, Absolutely. Get in touch with the club. What an incredible position that could be. Uh, moving on. Are you familiar with the Bristol and District League Senior Division, Jonathan? Funnily enough, do, no. you, do you take an interest in that league? So you're not aware of the team at Bradley Stoke Town FC? No. And their new signing, Bradley Stoke FC have signed... Bradley? Bradley Stoke. <laughs> They've signed a player with the same name. You couldn't, you couldn't write this stuff, You couldn't you? write it. Um, so the 23-year-old graduated from University West of England, same university as myself, after studying business and marketing. I studied business myself. Um, he isn't from the area, and it's not—it's not a coincidence, because um, he is a—he's he, a big football fan, a good footballer. Um, but he literally found the—he was aware there was an area in England with the same name as his, so he searched for see if they had a football club. They did, and then he signed up. And when he went to sign on, the chairman and the one well, the chairman, but the manager also, they actually thought he was taking the piss. He had to, <laughs> he had to show his birth certificate and ID to prove his name was Bradley Stoke. But he's doing quite, he scored like five goals, six assists. He's doing really well. But Bradley Stoke signs for Bradley Stoke. On a much um, sort of sadder note, of course, we can't say anything here that hasn't been said already, but we can't sort of pass it by completely. The Leicester City tragedy between episode five and six, Jonathan. Um, it's sort of kind of lost for words when that happened that Saturday evening, wasn't it? Um, and of course, now we've had the the, the seven day funeral, um, the the processions on Saturday to mark his passing, uh, all the respects paid. I was absolutely delighted. I don't think there's a football fan in the world that wasn't delighted when they got the win over Cardiff following that tragedy. And of course, they got the draw yesterday um, as well. So fantastic results, but what a ridiculous story. It, it's it's painful to, to thought, think about. Leicester fans, um, I mean, what he did at Leicester, it's it's like Hollywood stuff, isn't it? It, it was absolutely incredible and a, a really, really sad story. Yeah, in incredibly so. Um, I, I don't think there's anything else to, to add to what you've said, except from uh, it's really nice to see how... I guess honest and open the players have been um, since since that's happened um, in, in coming forward and, and speaking about things that maybe you don't necessarily expect footballers to say. So I would definitely recommend um, checking out some of the interviews and articles with some of the Leicester City players. It's it's quite um, humbling and and raw. To I mean, see. The, the players literally in tears um, when they had the minutes silence or minutes applause in in the following games as well. And I, d I don't think there's many clubs where if the chairman died or the owner died, that you would have that kind of reaction. He was absolutely integrated with every single member of the team. He wasn't just the money guy. He was like a father to a lot of those players as well, or, or a father figure. Um, and again, that just makes the tragedy e even worse. And of course, on the same day as well, Glenn Hoddle, when um, doing punditry for Beatty's, had a heart attack on set as well. He, he is recovering. Um, I do believe he had triple heart, bypass as well that's what I read or at least online yesterday but he is recovering in a, in a serious condition but recovering well but just a, a really really horrible day for football yeah. yeah it really puts everything to perspective as well and again it's an, another opportunity to show what a great close-knit community football is and that was the day we lost 4-0 at home and you know you're upset you're a bit angry what's happening and then that happens and you think you know what 
doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, so let's move on from that. And I did mention in episode five, I was going to try and do a little bit of catch up, see what's happening with former Reds players um, in their new careers or wherever they might be. And I've got three of those for you, Jonathan. The first one is our very own Sergio Torres, of course. This week, he dropped a teaser trailer yes. for his documentary. Did Wasn't you it see incredible? It? it was great. I will say, very, very good film work. Good. Um, yeah. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And the official release, no official release date, but early 2019. Mm. So we look forward to that. A late Christmas present that will be. Uh, Byron Napper. Do you remember Byron Napper? Yes, I, yeah. re- I remember the name. He was 2010-11-ish. He has scored his first goals for Haywards Heath Town. So congratulations to Byron Napper. And... I'm sure you do remember, of course, Josh Simpson, former captain. He got man of the match on his debut for former and now second-time return club Cambridge City in the Southern League Eastern Division. Um, Again, on his debut on Saturday in a 1-0 win over Kempston Rovers. He also recently got his FA Level 2 coaching qualification. So congratulations to Josh on two counts. Congratulations to Byron and Sergio. We look forward very much to the documentary in early 2019. Jonathan, that is Broadfield Buzz. So, Jonathan, this is the penultimate section of episode six, and it is making a comeback highlight of the week. Of or, the weeks. Or month, <laughs> or whatever months, you want yes. to call it. Jonathan, you go first. What is your highlight of the uh, time period between episode five and six? So, I don't know if you've seen, but Harry Kuehl has... Yeah, oh, Harry. Kill. Old Harry. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. He recently had an interview with a with a journalist uh, after a game, and the ju- said journalist just basically asked him, "How are you dealing with the fact that, that a lot I of fans are brilliant? Are not with you?" And he's basically typical Harry, just being like, "Oh yeah, I'm never going to have all the fans on my side," sort of thing. We're doing amazing here, even though he's only moved up a couple of positions. But either way, he still seems like typical Harry. And the thing that the particular thing that's highlight of my week for me is one of their fans, one of the Notts County fans, has tweeted the chairman and, well, owner, the same guy, um, basically has said, Alan, I will not be visiting Meadow Lane anymore until Harry Kuehl is no longer our manager. I've spent over £500 on season tickets and have lost all enthusiasm with Harry as a manager. Do you do refunds? Serious question, Alan. Not a dig. <laughs> Regards. The, the interview, it's only 20, sort of 21 seconds yeah. long. <laughs> What is he doing? He's so out of his depth there, isn't he? And he calls he calls the club or the fans use as well. It's not like us or we or we're gonna get through this. It's, it's very informal, isn't it's, it? It's it's ridiculous. It is it's insane. But yeah, great reply. Um I, I hope that chap gets his refund as well. <laughs> so I think, yeah, for Cawley fans uh may be possibly very happy. You can't help but rejoice in that, can you, as a Crawley fan? It, it, it I think it's completely natural. Um but yeah, great response, and do have a look at that 21-second clip. You can find it. Just search Harry Kuehl on Twitter, and it's near the top. It, it, it is hilarious. It's incredible. Now, my highlight of the week, I'm going to gift away my highlight of the week. I'm going to give it to somebody else. I'm going to give it to an 11-year-old Southend fan, a little girl, <laughs> because, again, she absolutely done me like a kipper. I applaud her, Jonathan. I absolutely applaud her. And that should be her highlight. Of the- I'm sure she does it every bloody game to some unsuspecting fan. And this <laughs> week, it just happened to be me who waved back very nicely. Goodbye, little girl. And then she tells me to F off, basically, and walks away. So congratulations to you. You've made it onto the Straight Red <laughs> podcast. I'm not sure what your name is, um, but congratulations. <laughs> Well, you and it's come pretty much to the end of um, another podcast, believe it or not. So, added time. Yeah, this is what we look ahead to just over the last couple of minutes now, what we're looking forward to between now and episode seven. So, of course, we've got a lot of games, Jonathan. We've already had two in November. We've got five remaining still to come this month, including cup games and the FA Cup replay, of course, and that Checker Trade Trophy game against Gillingham, where we could win that game and still go out. It depends on what happens between uh, Tottenham under 21s and... Portsmouth. Portsmouth, of course. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Now, of course, we've had some great guests on the podcast so far, including Sergio Torres, Ryan Richard and Bruce Tolbert. I spoke to Matt Harold at the game uh, yesterday. He was there watching with his little boy. And he said he'd be very happy to be on the show, which is brilliant. 
But please let us know if you've got any special requests. We do have a, quite a few contacts in and around the club to get quite a lot of players, ex-players and things. Uh, so please let us know if there's anybody in particular you'd like us to speak to and we'll try and make that happen. Just let us know via Twitter, DM or, or a message reply to when we release episode six. Um, don't forget, of course, the FA Cup replay is Tuesday, the 20th of November under the floodlights at the Broadfield Stadium. Once again, the magic of the FA Cup is back in Crawley. Another away game, of course, at Grimsby um, of those games coming up in the league remainder of this month. GH Coaches, of course, putting a coach on for that one. It's on Saturday, the 17th of November. They depart the Broadfield at a blustery cold 7 a.m. Jonathan, Ouch. are you going to be there? No. Unfortunately, I don't think I will either. But of course, it is always, as ever, 20 quid. That includes the buffet. Uh, just get in touch with them via the GH Coaches website. You might have noticed. Did you Did you notice, Jonathan, we did not have a Sergio Says segment in today's episode? You know what? I did. And Why that, is that? That is down to my complete incompetence and forgetting to text him. He's the best part of the podcast. Let's be realistic. We did mention him, though. His documentary is coming out, of course, in early 2019. We do. I apologise. We don't apologise. I apologise. There was no Sergio says. So hopefully next episode, of course, will be a bit more. I'll be a bit more on the ball for that one. Anything to add in added time, Jonathan? I think that's. Uh, I think that's all to add. I mean, <laughs> apart from, of course, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, of course, as well. You know, we 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 love all of our listeners. Um, we, this podcast wouldn't be a thing without any of you. Of course. Give us all your feedback. It only hopefully make this podcast better. Um, and then until next time, hopefully there'll be a good run of form. One last thing on that topic. I was at the game yesterday, of course. Got a tap on the shoulder behind me. Chap said, are you Ewan? I said, yes, I am Ewan. All, all excited. He said, the podcast absolutely smashing no he did well, I mean, it's, genuine it's great to have Gen the feedback but you know i feel what? like I'm, your I'm, ego's boosted I'm, now i'm gutted i think you recognize because i used to work at the club oh, okay. oh yes of not course. just of i'm course. not not of podcast fame <laughs> um but no he was very very complimentary really really enjoyed it so I, i'm really sorry i didn't get your name but please grab me again next time and um i'll say a proper thank you but uh, really great to get some feedback and we appreciate all feedback positive negative constructive please always let us know we're changing it to make it the program you want it to be yes so for me and myself um see you soon thank you very much see you soon